0: How's everyone doing? Plague Diary 13. I can't believe this shit's still going on, but it is. And I hope everyone's doing well out there. I hope everyone's staying safe and uh, being careful. And, um, you know, I've been wearing a mask, practicing social distancing, except for, well, I'm in an interesting point right now. The state of New Jersey has deemed that martial arts gyms and dance studios are uh, allowed to reopen and operate under restrictions. So the Muay Thai gym that I joined, Driven Gym in Woodbridge, New Jersey, is now open with limited uh, capacities. And uh, I've been going. There's no bag... um, there's no uh, pad work no sparring it's all just bag work and uh conditioning drills and things like that uh they limit the number of people into the class it's um like a big open space and uh the the classes are limited to 40 minutes and then there's a 20 minute cleanup session and uh so yeah i've been doing that i've been going this is the second week training like maybe two hours most nights some nights just going for an hour um got a couple of privates one-on-one sessions where uh coach spider wears like a face shield and all that kind of stuff and we we hit pads and i have to say that yeah that's probably the riskiest behavior that i that i, that I do and um you know i've been getting tested regularly i keep coming up negative and um but yeah it's One of those sacrifices because I feel much better mentally and physically and uh, other than that, I just stay home. I just do my job, stay in the house, you know, go out to the market, go to band practice, like that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't really interact with too many people. But, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's a trade-off between the benefits of going uh, and the benefits of not going. I mean, if I don't go, I, w- I won't see anybody. I'd just be here by myself, and that's the ultimate social distancing, I guess. And then I just spiral down into the darkness, into the bleak landscapes of depression. My body starts turning into just disgusting slime. <laughs> I mean, I got I got gear. I got this bag, which is cool. I got you know I've, I've been working out, uh, so it hasn't been that bad, but. Uh, there's, I don't know, man. It's just not the same. I mean, anyone out there can probably attest to that. So afterwards I feel great. I feel almost normal. Um, you know, there's a lot to be said for the endorphins from uh, hard training that, uh, that how it elevates you. And also it's not a secret that being fit also helps your immune system. So our results came back negative this week. I'm actually going to uh, a local place to get tested again tomorrow morning at 9 so That's not part of project baseline. It's uh, it's just i uh, I'm just gonna go use my insurance and get it done and uh, Also going to get the antibodies done, too. So we'll see how how, the, how that, that all works out but uh yeah, I don't know man. This this whole thing is going on and no one really seems to be paying attention and the worst part about it is back when new york was in the middle of all this when new york was the epicenter of this whole pandemic and all these other states had almost nothing going on if everyone had just battened down the hatches the states that had nothing that are now on fire would everyone we would be we would be out of this mess right now and and it's unfortunate that the media, the politicians, Donald Trump had tried to make, a, you know, tried to make this whole thing about politics and the very paper thin ideology that this somehow has to do with personal freedom. And there are some of these like disgusting hunchbacks out there who are trying to put wearing a mask in the same category as pro-choice. And I find that fucking disgusting. But yeah, it's just like we're, we're in a weird... Gnostic world where everything is flipped on on it's just upside down Right is wrong wrong is right. You know, it's it's crazy and um I don't know. It's it's interesting as well because We're all living in a, a moment of history. That's going to be studied and analyzed This is this is like a point in history in world history You know and it's gonna be in history books and Donald Trump is going to look look like a laughing stock, fool, and the United States is going to go down in history as the country that didn't go go with the program that was uh, could could have actually turned this thing around, but didn't, and and that's that's unfortunate, and it's sad, and a lot of people lost their lives, and there's assholes like Ted Nugent out there who. um you know, think that this thing is fake. And, uh, Hey, if you weren't in New York, you know, March, April, May, it's coming to you too now, brothers. So if you didn't believe that, that it was real, you'll find out soon enough, or you're finding out right now that this thing is real. And, um, it's not the flu. It's not a conspiracy. These, these are things that I believe. And, um, I just want everyone to be okay i want to be able to things to go back to some semblance of normality i want to be able to go on a tour and it's i don't i have no idea when that stuff's going to happen again and that that scares me a little bit so until then i'm just doing my best doing the doing this podcast hoping it's helping i've gotten some nice messages from people and i'd like to thank everyone who who's contacted me and uh yeah man we're, we're we're not alone man it's like we might all be separated and I lo- it's nice to know that this reaches somebody out there and that i can help you know make things seem you know a little bit better you know it's you know it's it's uh it really it really is hard times we're going through and and i know that a lot of people are out of work i know that there's you know un- unemployment is is uh that's running out and um yeah, it's just, it's just a drag and, and I'm in any way that I can help people, even if it's by just doing this show. Um, know, yeah, I'm glad I can help. Uh, speaking of shows, man, like Jeff Kashid of, uh, of ISIS and Palms, he and I have been doing the Necromaniacs podcast and it's been a lot of fun, man. We relaunched that whole thing and it's a weekly show and uh yeah i'm pretty excited about the direction we're going and having jeff on board is a lot of fun and i i asked him not only because he's you know a really uh knowledgeable guy with film but also i just want an excuse to talk to the guy every week and uh and i like that we're in touch again and going forward i think i want to preserve that with people i mean i, I got friends that I consider to be close friends but I, I months go by, you know, a year goes by sometimes without even talking to these people. And I guess like touring has been a way for me to be in touch socially with a lot of these people. Um I mean I I you know, I'm usually out there, usually out on the west coast like twice a year. Um usually out in Europe, you know, so I get to see some of my friends out there. And touring is like, aside from going out there and playing music every night and the adventure involved in that, it's a way for me to feel close with people that live in different parts of the country and parts of the, you know, parts of the world even, you know. But with this whole lockdown, you know, I don't have that. So I've had to speak on the phone or, you know, text people more just to check in on them. And that's that's a positive thing in this whole experience is understanding that it, you have to work at having friendships. And I think that's that's my big takeaway. And I'm going to try to preserve that lesson moving forward in life. But anyway, Jeff and I, we have a job to do, and we're doing it, and it's cool, and I'm glad we're talking, and I'm glad that we're you know sharing ideas. And he just turned me on to this uh, Sopranos podcast. It's called Talking Sopranos. And I don't know if uh, you guys out there dig that show or not. I, I think it's a, a, a groundbreaking television moment. I think that that was like the first. There wouldn't be a Breaking Bad or any of these shows that, without The Sopranos. And it's one of my favorite things ever. And uh, having grown up in the tri-state area, I have a, a soft spot in my heart. And the host of this show... Are Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa. and uh, you know that's um, you know Chris Montesalte Montas, <laughs> Chris Montasante, and um, and Quiet Bobby, Bobby Bacala, and uh, it turns out that Michael Imperioli, I don't, he didn't grow up in the town, but he went to high school in Brewster, the next town over from where I grew up, so we're about the same age. So it's interesting to know that I dated a girl at Brewster high school. So we were, I might've ran into that guy at some point, not even knowing it, you know, but, uh, the, I've been, I've been banging out episodes, man. I've been binging these things. I have it on all day when I'm working and, uh, probably going to, I don't know how many episodes there are. There's a lot at this point. And it's also sparked my interest in the Sopranos again. And I'm binging from the beginning, the whole show. And, uh, Loving it, you know, it's like I'll do my job, go to the gym, come home, watch a couple episodes. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun revisiting that. I mean, this is like probably the fourth or fifth time I've watched that entire show. So um, anyway, uh, it's a lot of fun. One of the things from the last episode, I got some comments about the band Otis that I played in. And um, that was the band that toured with uh, the Ramones. And that was, uh, like I mentioned, one of, that was the first band I ever really did anything with. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, not too many people know about that band. But enough people know about that band where they're a pain in the ass about it. Because, like, Jay Bennett, for example... Um, good friend of mine, known him for years. He saw that band perform live back in the day. Um, he claims that he likes the band. Um, I don't know if he's just saying that to you know to annoy me, but I, I personally um, don't. It's not my. I don't. I don't think it's my best work, really. And uh, but like I said, it was kind of like the the gateway into the world that i'm in now so there's some kind of significance to that band that's not to say there weren't cool times there weren't cool things we did and i mean there were definitely a lot of good things that that band did but i just can't listen to the music and feel good about it and um that i was very dated it's um it's from that moment of time in the early early to mid mid 90s i guess that it just sounds like it came out of the 90s it sounded like four guys that, and none of us were on the same page making music together and um that, that that's i guess like one of the biggest problems i have with it i mean the vocals i lived with the singer um singer slash lead guitar player uh for a bit and um we spent a lot of time together and i don't think i ever saw him actually pick up a pen in a notebook and write any lyrics And, uh, at the time I was just playing guitar in the band and I I never even entertained the thought of singing or writing lyrics or any of that stuff at that point. But in retrospect, knowing about how much time and effort I put into writing, uh, I kind of feel like this dude, you know, I don't know. He, I feel like he could have put more efforts (laughs) into it. I mean, we were young kids, man. We were young. We didn't really know any better. I didn't know any better. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. You know, it's like guitar playing was like, Yeah, this is great, you know, I'm hammering out things and drop D, whatever. Um, you know, he was an incredibly talented guy and, and uh and I I was you know, I thought that was cool. But but I learned quickly that like he was a talented guy in like a guitar center kind of way. I mean anyone out there is listening who plays in a band inevitably has to step foot in guitar center and you know there's all sorts of guys in there like ripping solos like playing like pantera riffs on guitar and they can play note for note you know van halen stuff and that's kind of what this this cat was like i mean he incredible incredible player like can blow play circles around me you know um great singer he can you know, he had this very excellent, just excellent, angelic, even singing voice. Um, technically incredible, but I just um, I don't think he ever really worked at doing anything creative or interesting. I mean, and I mean that's just my opinion. I don't know you guys out there. He had he put out a bunch of records after Otis broke up uh, as a solo artist, and I'm not I'm not mentioning anyone's name because. I don't, I don't know how comfortable anyone would be. I don't want to like call anyone out. I don't want to make people uh, angry at me and whatever. Um, I would never do that unless this was like, I had, a, I had the green light from everyone to talk about it. So I'm just, everyone knows the band. Anyone who, or I should say, anyone who knows the band knows who I'm talking about. And if you don't know the band, just enjoy the story because it's not really worth, finding these records or trying to find anything else about this band it's just just listen to the stories and you'll you'll get enough out of the experience but uh yeah he wanted to do something i remember back this is back this is a long time ago and the the boston phoenix was a thing i don't know if it exists anymore but it was the source where you'd find out about everything they had uh you know shows you know there'd be you know, local news about just, you know, the arts, things like that, uh, movies, you know, if you wanted to plan it, it came out weekly, so if you had stuff going, it would tell you about what was going on that weekend. If you wanted to, uh, you know, get your dick sucked, you can, you can, you know, get some kind of hooker or escort out of there, you know, there's like a back page that had all that stuff, you know, for, for getting escorts and that kind of thing. Um, and then there was a classified section where once again, if you want to get your dick sucked, you can put a classified ad and meet some woman or man or whatever, you know, if you, whatever you want. And then there was the classifieds for like musicians, for people who are looking to be in bands or join bands or form bands or whatever. Now, mostly, you know, it's like a bunch of ham and eggers in there, you know, and and I guess that's what I was because I had just moved to Boston uh, there's a whole other story <laughs> about that. I I um I went to college in Boston at BU. Uh, I spent a period of time living in Washington State and Florida, and you know back up you know back at my parents' house for a while. Uh, working for this company that kept me on the road, and then I mean I was you know I I didn't really have. It's funny I got out of college and I was ripped out of. The womb of comfort and cast into this world of, the, of highways and flights and living in the middle of nowhere and this kind of militaristic way of living with this company that I worked for uh, right out of college. So those early years in my 20s were kind of, uh, kind of a blur and also filled with like loneliness and I developed this like very self-reliant. Uh, you know, this very self-reliant sort of vibe that carried me through the rest of my life, I guess. Um, I ended up going back to Boston because I had to finish up one class to get my college degree. My, you know, my mechanical engineering bachelor's degree. So that's how I ended up back in Boston, living there. Uh, There was a girl involved, obviously. There's always a girl when you're in your young man years and that didn't work out and that put me into this like very dark passageway and i wanted to go really hard with making music and that was kind of like i said this is the beginning of everything for me it's right here in the stupid bands and that's when i wanted to get really serious about music and i i had actually moved to boston with some people from i was living in washington prior to that They didn't really have. They they were West Coast. They were Northwest dudes, and the East Coast is just definitely not their trip. And I understand that, but we were we were gonna. The plan was to come out here and do music together and whatever. You know, we were young guys. Man, we were like in our early twenties at the time, and yeah, just you heard about Helmet and all these bands, and you know the Melvins and the Nirvana, and everyone was like doing these cool things and friends of ours were doing stuff and why not try Why not give it a shot? So, but that didn't work out. I did I did meet a drummer during that period and that's the guy who ended up playing at Otis and hence the band starts. So I put this ad out. That's how I find, uh, I find the singer and he's, I think I wrote like into Rollins band helmet, uh, Jesus lizard or something like that, you know, and like black flag. I don't know. Some kind of like marriage of like punk and metal and I don't know, this kind of thing. And, but very much with the idea that we were going to do something that might someday get signed to some kind of major label because every, it seemed like every band in the underground world was getting signed to a major. And, um, I, in a way, I guess it was my way of getting revenge on this girl that I would I'd been with prior to that because uh, she was kind of a square. I'm sure she's like incredibly. You know, I'm sure she's uh, successful right now in life. You know, I'm sure she found happiness. <laughs> so uh, my re, my re, she just wasn't very cool. You know, she just wasn't very much. Really, not into anything that I was into. So I guess. This whole thing was for the best, really. We both went our separate ways, and I was able to follow this meandering path that I've been on, and she was able to get into her thing and move on with her life, and that's awesome for her. But it was a really hard summer for me at that time, and that's when I formed this band. This dude responds. I, like one other person, they were not right. I meet up with this guy. Uh... I guess like the thing that that to this day, which I wonder about, is like why he wanted to play in a band with me because I wanted to do something different than what he ultimately wanted to do. But he kind of modified his thing to meet match up with my thing. But at the end of the day, if you ever listen to those recordings, you can see how there really is almost two different bands between the two of us. You know, it's like if you took out my parts, right, and the drums. And then you put me singing over it, it would be one completely different thing. And then if you took out his vocals and the drums and took out my guitars, it would sound like another band, completely different. And I think that's kind of like, I, always, I was amused by that. I think that, that was the one thing that really was the kind of uh, friction in the band. You know, and also this guy was fucking lazy, too. Like, you know, he's just one of these dudes who, like, yeah, he never really had a job. Um, You know, when he did have a job, he didn't try hard. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. I I don't want to slam this dude too bad, but uh, he just didn't put effort into things. And that, that was a bummer, you know. And at that point, anyone who knows me now, like, knows that I like to get shit done, I was even more focused then because I had like nothing going on. I I just had this. I had a job. My girl had just left me and I'm like, all right, I got to do this thing because I feel it's the one thing I need. I need something to do with the hours that I had on my hands that I would have spent with this lady and now that lady's gone. So these hours are these like enemies of mine that I have to kill. So... I killed those hours by doing this band and that's kind of like the mindset that I had. Like we're, we we you know if I, if you don't practice tonight I have to sit by myself somewhere and these fucking ideas have to be in my head. So I was really 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 into going to practice every night. And if I didn't practice it was like sitting at home in my room listening to music and just kind of like you know it, it was a rough few months but ultimately I got over it. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's a story for another time. But anyway, this band formed and uh, yeah, it was, it was, we we were doing shit, you know, and we made records, we did tours uh, and it, it was the opening up of that part of my brain that allowed me to believe that I could actually do something in this world that, Gave me satisfaction, you know, and that that was cool. That was like a good thing for me, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, we we toured Europe. Uh, we did a tour with Fetus and Bark Market, and that was a trip, man. That was like the first time I'd been to Europe. Um, you know, and ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, we oh yeah, we got this like pretty cool record deal. Um, you know, that was was pretty. I remember I remember meeting with those guys the very first time. There was a couple of record record labels in Boston that were doing stuff like we were we were doing. And uh the band Stompbox was really big. You know, they got signed to a major label. They were like this, you know, metal thing that metal bands, you know, that doing these big tours and there were people that were, you know, you know, one or two people removed. They were within like our separation or whatever orders of separation or whatever, whatever the term is. And I'm like, yeah, if those guys can do this shit. And like, you know, we can fucking do this thing, man. And and I was like, I didn't want to stay home. I didn't want to be in, I didn't want to live in a live anywhere. I didn't want to be around anybody. I just wanted to go out on the road and I wanted to play music for for whatever. And like that same mentality of like, well. If I can't hold a job down, then I'm a professional musician because I'm going on tour. And Even, even if I'm making $20 a day, it's be- it was better than making some kind of salary and having to sit in an apartment every day and live like a normal person. So, you know, that was the kind of mindset I had. And uh, yeah, just work, working towards that. But I remember meeting these guys at Cherry Disc. And Cherry Disc was like an ambitious label at the end of the day. They had this office we went out to that was like out in, I think, Watertown. And um, I just remember being kind of ex- excited about it. You know, we drove our van out there and went up there on the second floor of this like two story building. And there was like, you know, promo posters with some of the bands that they put out. And we sat down and hashed it out. And I was like, yeah, this is like, it's pretty cool. They're giving us money to make a record. And, we were going to go into a real studio and do this thing. And uh, yeah, I, don't know, I was, I was pretty, pretty jazzed by the whole thing. And I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I didn't know. I'm like, right on, man. You know, give me, you know, give me a check. Let's, let's do it. We made two records with them. The first record is almost listenable today. Uh, <laughs> like I, there's a couple of moments on that album. Like I haven't listened to it in a long, long time. Uh, a couple of moments on there that I don't hate. Um, it's not as embarrassing to me as the second album. The second record is like a total piece of shit and embarrassing. And, um, and there, there might have been a couple things on there that weren't so bad, but there was very formulaic. It was like the songs were, were fucking garbage. The lyrics sucked like... The uh, playing was good, uh, but there was just no imagination, you know, and it was like this box that we were, you know, we all at that point when that record was made, you know, this, this lawyer guy was involved and he was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm going to shop you guys, you know, whatever, man. Like we had this booking agent and that worked out for like a little bit and we thought that we were going to make a record and we were going to like get these major label offers and it was all going to be good, but I think we might have hit this a little too late, you know, and um, that whole like bubble of whatever signings of bands in the early 90s, I think was on the downward slide around the time that we came around. And also as good of a singer as he was, he just couldn't write any hooks. And I think that that's probably what stood in our way ultimately was that there was no hook, there was no memorable line, there was no chorus, there was no... I mean I'm not I don't write choruses either but I'm not trying to you know have songs that are like you know on the radio or anything but you know this is the 90s and there's like you know people people want that that's that was the thing that was happening you know you needed hooks and all this stuff so anyway that's uh that's Otis you might be able to find that record out there for free or uh I don't know if it's I don't know if anyone even gave a shit enough to put it online for free, you know, or even on YouTube or whatever. There might be some like hard copies floating around. If there's a record store or if that exists anymore, you might find it for a dollar, you know, as a cutout or something or, or like a, a five pack of like useless bands from the nineties that no one cares about. They might be giving them away for a dollar. I don't know who knows. But, um, but yeah, that, uh, people have asked about that band and uh, I've been very uh, evasive about talking about it, but I figured if you guys are listening to this, you're a little bit more forgiving and like you might, you might even care. So that's, that's in a nutshell. Otis, um, any, if anyone has is familiar with that band, please let me know. Let me know your thoughts about it. Um, the one good thing about playing in that band is is after its demise I went on to do like way cooler stuff which uh, I saw what I didn't want I saw what I didn't want to do and then it made clear to me the things that I wanted to do so I guess that was a positive anyway stay safe I babbled on for way too long and um, I'll keep keep rolling with these things and uh, yeah, the, the actual legit uh, shows that I have going on right now, there's the weekly Metal Matters. Uh, there's an ACDC two-part uh, show coming up with Jay Bennett and I. Uh, there's Necromaniacs, which I do with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. And uh, that's been a lot of fun, man. And I'm glad that's back in action. I got big plans for that, that, that uh, show. And if you love horror... If you love horror movies, that's the show for you, man. And uh, yeah, so everyone be well, and I'll talk to you guys later.